And a big old happy Wednesday to you. Well, I'm on this hump day. John Cook and Garrett Seawright with you from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock today here on Lima Sports Radio 93. One the fan. We are Cookie and the Monster. You, Many of you are with us daily. We appreciate you joining us. Hope that you enjoy today's show. It's a Wednesday. It's a hump day. It's a work day for Garrett after a work night last night that happened to be a double overtime game. Now get me when I say this, people. I am a basketball junkie and I love it more than I love most things that are earthbound basically everything that's earthbound i've called i don't know i'm gonna say maybe i've called 150 games in my career as a quote-unquote broadcaster not once did i root for double overtime (laughs) (laughs) not once my man did i root for double overtime how you doing i i i i am also in that camp of still uh still not never rooted for double overtime um I had told my my wife before I left yesterday that uh, I, I'm I'm losing my voice just a little bit. We had three I had three basketball games last week. We had the Christmas party on Monday in a loud environment, so you got to talk a little louder. Then a double overtime basketball game last night. On top of we've got a a, a puppy at home that we've had for a week now, where there's been a lot of Ruby no, a, a lot, <laughs> a lot of Ruby no. <laughs> So losing the voice a little bit and two extra quarter, an extra quarter basically of basketball was not needed on the old vocal cords. So 10 hours a week of talking on the air here with you. Losing the voice a bit. I, I was not rooting for double overtime, but it was a fun little fun little Putnam County League game. that I, I, And I said this to you last week when we were doing Columbus Grove out of well, there are There might be some higher quality basketball games on the schedule coming up, but, but the games mean a lot more in Putnam County than they do in some other places. I would say that's a fair statement if ever there was one, and that's not necessarily comparing it to every place. Get, right. Don't get your panties in a bunch, folks, if you come from a passionate basketball area. It, it It's what they do in Putnam County. They don't do a lot of other things, and it does mean a little bit more to those folks. And again, there's there's high school basketball. There's high school basketball in Lima Land. There's small school high school basketball in Lima Land. There are overtime games. There are double overtime games. There are games that can be classified as competitive because they went overtime or double overtime and not necessarily good. There, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to evaluate what it is to call a double overtime game. But when it's a double overtime game in a rivalry situation like that one, it's hard to imagine it wasn't a little bit of fun. No, the yeah, it was a good time. Uh, the the crowd started getting into it. Uh, every whistle had everybody you know hanging on there edge of their seat it was uh it was a fun environment it was fun to and rick sherrick pointed this out it was fun to have a packed house with a game that meant something to people where it had been a hot minute since we had been in an environment where you know you're struggling to hear the person who's speaking into a microphone (laughs) next to you because (laughs) it's getting a little raucous and it was it was a fun environment to be in, and that that's a heck of a win for Pandora Gilboa. Where at times it, it didn't look like they they had much of a chance to win that game. For them to claw out a a victory in overtime, that's a that's a nice win for the Rockets. And a good way to spend a Tuesday night. It it, it, it wasn't any necessarily worse than an elementary school music program. <laughs> Uh, just, no, just saying. Not, not, just saying. not, not let, pointing anybody let, out there. Let, let's be objective about things. Let's be objective about things. Also, an interesting night on the uh, sports landscape, I guess you would say. We there was so much reaction to the Monday Night Football game that it was unbelievable. And well, is that an indictment on Mac Jones's arm strength, John, that they only threw the ball three times? I'm sure that it is. 
I'm sure that it is an indictment on his arm strength. And you know who doesn't care? Mac, Mac Jones, Jones or Bill Belichick. Or right, Mac Jones and Bill Patriots Belichick, which is why or... Mac Jones is the quarterback for Bill Belichick because that's the part they get. They really just want to win. See, I like. Believe me, I don't. I don't like Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. I, but I give the guy credit. He will do literally whatever it takes to win whatever game it is. They played with six offensive linemen, like sixty percent of the snaps on Monday night. Is that an indictment on the? They don't trust their offensive line. Hell no, it's not. They did what they needed to do to win the game. And I give I, I because there are a lot of coaches who have too much hubris to, to do that. Who will say, "By God, this is how we win." And Bill Belichick's like, "I don't give a damn. I will run the single wing from 1914 if that's what it takes to win the game. That's what we're going to do." And here's the part that I think gets undervalued about Bill Belichick. Not that I wanted to spend a ton of time on the Monday night game since it was two days ago, but I, again, not necessarily a Bill Belichick fan. And it's, the word fan kind of is, is tough for me because I, I have no problem being an Ohio State fan. That That's fun. Right, right. It's college athletics. But if you're not willing to admit right up front that you don't know anything about the people that you root for, and they might be absolute slime as humans, it's entirely possible. Yeah, all, and what's you, equal, you know, what's, any Notre Dame fan who what, was a fan of Brian Kelly. What What's equally possible is the people that you root against with the vitriol that I root against, oh, let's say Michigan, those people might be the finest humans alive. What like, Blake Corum did with say, his Blake NIL Corum money on there, Thanksgiving. There was another Michigan kid just yesterday, I think, that had released, hey, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give $500 to this foundation. I'm going to get, and I was like, stop it, because that's admirable, and it makes me like you. Quit it. And as hard as it is for me to say this, Jim Harbaugh might be a better human than Ryan Day. It's possible. It's. I would argue it's incredibly likely that he's a better human than Urban Meyer. But I don't, oh. And I, I rooted for Urban Meyer every time they played. So we don't know. So being a fan, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a fan of Bill Belichick as a guy who roots for Bill Belichick. What I am is a guy who's willing to look at Bill Belichick and say, even in this current era of football, Guys who coach in this league are clearly identified as they are an offensive guy or they are a defensive guy. And because they fit into one of those categories, there is expected to be a limitation on what his teams are capable of on the opposite side of the football. That's generally the way it works. Yeah. Bill Belichick, in my estimation, during my time of watching him as a coach, went from being a defensive coordinator who coordinated a Super Bowl winning defense, to becoming a head coach who was a defensive-minded head coach. And in my estimation, as it stands here today, Bill Belichick doesn't have a weakness as a coach. Now that may be oversimplifying it, and I'm sure there are people who could point some things out. But I believe that Bill Belichick's entire goal as a coach was to become a coach who wasn't a defensive guy or an offensive guy or this guy or that guy. I'm a great coach. And I look at his teams and I say, how many different ways can you win a Super Bowl? How many different ways can you find to get to a Super Bowl? And they've done it all. They've done it all. They've been offensive juggernaut. They've been defensive-minded. They've thrown it very little. They've thrown it a bunch. They've won with special teams. They've turned you over. They've done what it took to to be successful. He is as complete a coach as there is, and he's found a guy. When When he said, Mac Jones is our guy, I got to be honest, I, I drink the Kool-Aid in this regard. As soon as he said oh, Cam Newton is cut and Mac Jones is our guy, I said Mac Jones is going to be really damn right. good. Mac, Mac Jones is going to be really gonna go to damn the Pro good. Bowl yeah. because 
when they say, hey, we're going to give it to this guy. And, and part of that comes with the territory of you get the benefit of the doubt when you've you've been that successful. But at the same time, they haven't really given you a reason to believe that they probably make a whole lot of really stupid decisions. So, But at the, on that same track, Mark Ray mentioned this earlier this week that I, I thought was uh, was really – was really poignant when he when he pointed out that he believes that Ohio State is at a crossroads. Is Ryan Day going to be Chip Kelly, where all they care about is offense, or is he going to be Urban Meyer, where you have to do what it takes to win games? Which I think is a gigantic it, a word we've used a lot indictment on guys like Chip Kelly, and there are probably some other people that you can throw in that category of hey, they're good football coaches, but when push comes to shove, they're they're in a, of a one track mind where they are known for. Chip Kelly is known for his offense. He's not known for his uber-successful national championship seasons, and if he had a defense, maybe has uh, definitely has a national championship ring on his finger, and yet he doesn't. So you got to do what you got to do. Chip Kelly is an incredibly bright human who I don't know who I don't know for a fact can spell defense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a hundred percent fair. Is the problem <laughs> is the problem for Chip is that. If you had even some semblance of a defense, if you put any time into it whatsoever, if you prioritized it at all, you've got a national championship on your on your championship ring on your finger. You're probably in a much better situation at UCLA where I think you're right, and I, th- I think it's the right way to operate is you don't want to be labeled one way or the other. You want to be labeled a damn good football coach because your teams are successful whether you're great at one side of the ball or the other. We also found out after we went off the air yesterday that Ohio State has a new defensive coordinator. Now he doesn't start until January 2nd, so they still just have a defensive coordinator. So that happened really quick. Like at 5.15, Letterman Rowe had posted something that was like, hey, this is where it's tracking. And, and then, then at like done. 5.30, no, like 5.45, Ryan Day's like, hey, yeah, so yeah, now that it's out there, yeah, I offered the guy the job, he took it, and we're going to figure everything else out coming up. So needless to say, we're looking forward to our conversation with uh, BuckeyeScoop.com's Tony Gerdeman today because we will probably spend a little time chatting about the new defensive coordinator at Ohio State and what that maybe maybe means for the staff. But everything's good until after the bowl game, so relax, relax, or be pissed. I don't know. Maybe you want the change before the bowl game. Time for our first Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We come back, we'll do Twitter poll questions. We got a big show today. Hope you stick with us. Cookie and the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. And welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio on this Wednesday. We are presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com. Work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. And it is that time of the program, Garrett, where we talk about our Twitter poll questions for today. Yeah, we got three questions up at 931thefan on Twitter. The first question is, which head coaching job is better? And that's a horrible way to phrase this question because the options are Ohio State, or any NFL head coaching job? 73% say Ohio State. That's a... That's a... I I guess we would question the validity of that poll. That's probably a tad biased. Right. I, 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 I feel like if you were to take a step back and think, okay, realistically, which job is better? It'd be... Even being head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, not that there's any uh, any link between those two jobs, between Ohio State and Jacksonville, that is, I think, a better job than, than Ohio State, right? I, I would argue 
as much as I love college football and as much as I would be willing to admit that being a head coach at the highest level of college or at the professional ranks is an asinine way to treat your body and your family and your quality of life, I would argue that because you don't recruit, well, I was gonna all say, pro I was jobs gonna say, are better than college jobs. I was going to say, I, I think a pro job is a better way to treat your family than a co- like there's a off season in the NFL. I would argue that too, but I would say that for the 17 weeks that you're playing, and I, I just there are too many guys sleeping in offices, dude. <laughs> There's too many guys sleeping in offices, and and the, the trying to see how little sleep you can get by with kind of thing. That that's that's not just a pro thing, but it, it is certainly a pro thing. But there is a window of time that it does shut down. There is never an opportunity at the college level to stop and say, "I don't have anything to do." Right. The hay's in the barn. <laughs> at the pro level, maybe they don't say that often, but at some point the hay is in the barn before you play a game. You don't have to be texting 16-year-olds. Right, and that's the I, – I feel like that's probably the, – the, the money is just as good, if not better, in the NFL. Ryan Day would make more money in the NFL than he would at Ohio State right now. I would certainly think so. With half the work? The other side of the coin, however, is the fact that being fired in the NFL is an absolute certainty, not a possibility. If you are doing a quote-unquote good job at the college level, there are a lot of places, and Ohio State is not necessarily one of those places, (laughs) where you don't have to feel you're going to be fired. We've talked about Mike Gundy. He's lost 14 out of 15 to his biggest rival. He's not in any trouble, or doesn't appear to be. As secure, he's a god to those people. Now, part of that's that sweet, glorious melody was rocking for a while. Uh, It took a little tarnish when he went 0 for 7 on snaps inside the two-yard line on Saturday and didn't get the Big 12 title. That it did. But he's, he's revered there. But because Ryan Day has done what he's done, he's put Ohio State a little bit in this category. For Ryan Day to get fired, it's going to have to be some pretty extraordinarily bad things that happen in relatively short order for him to be in danger of getting fired, I think. Maybe I'm crazy. For as irrational as I like to think that Ohio State fans are, and believe me, I'm in that group sometimes, (laughs) I don't know that Ohio State fans have the ability to turn on Ryan Day, for instance, the way it Florida fans turned on Dan Mullen, where the <laughs> second week in September they lose by Alabama to they lose to Alabama by two and six weeks later that dude didn't have a job. Sanford hung forty two in a <laughs> in half. A half on him. I, I don't think Ohio State fans like if Ryan Day went six and six next year, probably not going to happen, but let's say he does. He's realistically Ohio State's head coach in 2023. I would say so, yes. I think. So, uh, now, the seat's going to be scorching in 2023. Now, nah, if he goes 6-6 six and six and beats Teton, it won't be near as hot as you think. It'll still be pretty warm. It'll be warm. It'll be but... warm. He will have the seat warmers <laughs> on in that car. But, so just asking. Uh, and you're, It might be a little rose-colored glasses there. I don't know. Scarlet. That's true. <laughs> Uh, we're also asking at 931 the fan on Twitter that you can vote in until 545. Would you rather be the best dunker or three-point shooter of all time? 72% say three-point shooter. Damn kids these days. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. jamming at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, we that, are. That is people who are too willing to accept that they are earthbound and limited. Right, it says, right, would you rather we be? Above it the means they're players. giving you the ability to dunk. Why would you not want to have that ability <laughs> as your as your calling card? Right. We are living above the rim on Cookie and the Monster. Are you kidding me? Three-point shooters. These kids these days got soft. We are getting up. We got hops. Here's what I'm going to say. Whoever the greatest three-point shooter is today, somebody's going to be challenging that within the next five to ten years. I don't know who the greatest dunker in history is, but he hasn't played in the last 12 years. Nobody's That's challenging the best dunkers of all time. It's not happening. No. Eh, well, in his prime, Vince Carter could... And, and, and again, Vince, Vince has played within the last 12 years, but nobody that's Vince's age has also been on the court at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Vince Carter's like 45, and you're like, you know, that guy's still in the league, I'll be damned. And then our final poll question is, should Army, Navy, and Air Force receive automatic bowl bids every season? 80% say no. No, but they should be the first people on the list to fill out the bowls when there's not enough right, when you, teams right. with the wins to qualify. Oh, Texas is five and seven. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna give those to Air Force, Navy, and and Army. And the coaches that have to compete and prepare for that style of play are like, right, no, you like, didn't you know do what? me any favors. Right, you know what? We're not gonna play in the heart of Dallas Bowl. Never mind. Do me any favors. Thank you. Those are our Twitter poll questions. We hope that you'll get out and vote them. Until 5.45, they are up. We'll give you the results at the end of the program. We're going to take our next Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We're going to come back and visit with BuckeyeScoop.com's Tony Gerdeman. What will we ever talk about with Tony Gerdeman of BuckeyeScoop.com? Stick around and find out. 93 won the fan. And welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio for Cookie and the Monster. I am John Cook. My partner is Garrett Seawright. This is Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. We appreciate you joining us for today's program. And we are at the point in the program where we're between the bowl game and the end of the regular season. I, I like the buildup for the bowl season. I don't like the buildup for the teams that I root for because it gets a little bit unnerving and, and irritating. But when you have... Interesting and exciting news. It's it's fun to bring in people that are a little bit plugged into things. So we're going to go to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline and bring in BuckeyeScoop.com's Tony Gerdeman to join us on the program. Tony, how are you today? Doing well. How are you fellas doing? I think we're all right. Garrett Garrett had a double it's, overtime high school game last night yeah. and then had 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 like some issues with his with yeah. his fuel efficiency of his vehicle on well, the way to work you know, this morning. So. It was cold. I was tired. I didn't want to get gas last night and then you know ran out of gas on the way to work this morning. So. You'll, you'll have that. I was going to the gas station, by the way. I was driving to the gas station. I wasn't trying to, to push it any farther than the gas station. How'd that work out? It didn't go well, Tony. I gotta, gotta tell you, didn't. Uh, if if I could go back in time, I would probably make better decisions. And as much as I would like to say that there's another topic we can talk about because you're at BuckeyeScoop.com and we can do all things Buckeyes, is there really any reason to talk about anything other than the new defensive coordinator? You know, that's the big thing right now. Jim Knowles coming from Oklahoma State will officially get to campus on January 2nd or so. And until then, he's going to prepare for Notre Dame in the bowl game, which also happens to be Ohio State's opening opponent next season. So I don't know that Ryan Day minds having him doing what he's doing right now. So, yeah, it's a big story. It's the it's a necessary move. And you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be the last move, but it's a big thing. And... I think the best thing about it is he's been a defensive coordinator for over a decade. He's run his own defenses at multiple stops. 
And this is something that Ohio State hasn't really had under Ryan Day, even with Jeff Halfley, as good as Jeff Halfley was. Like, that was his first time really being a defensive coordinator. So you got a guy who is experienced, who runs a defense that has some similarities to Ohio State, but also has some differences. So there, there's enough skill and talent at Ohio State to uh, mold to what he wants to do. And this is going to be an all-new talent level that he gets to deal with, gets to recruit. So I know Ohio State's happy to have him. I would bet he's also very happy to be at Ohio State because he had other options as well. Yeah, Tony, you, you somewhat alluded to this, but as it sits right now, Ohio State would have one too many assistant coaches. I guess what are the options of the ways that that gets solved? Well, uh, there, yeah, the options and you – know, I'll just preface by saying I have not heard anything definitive. We can just speculate on what's going to happen, but you know, you could have um, you know, Larry Johnson has been he's been around a long time. Does he retire? Mm-hmm. Does uh, somebody get fired? Does you know they have a full-time special teams coordinator and Parker Fleming is one of their <laughs> 10 assistant coaches. Not everybody has a full-time special teams coordinator. So a lot most teams like say Oh, I, I, you know, I looked at it once earlier in the season, and five of the top 13 teams had special teams coordinators and, and uh, sole special teams coordinators. Everybody else just like, if you coach the tight ends, you also do the special teams and things like that. So, you know, do they, would they bump him back down to, uh, you know, some other role and take him out of that 10, 10 guys, 10, 10 total assistants? But, you know, Ohio State had one of the best special teams in the nation this past year, so. I think maybe they'll they'll stay there, but um, yeah, it, it could be any number of things. It, does somebody move on? You know, Al Washington was talking with Tennessee last year about being a defensive coordinator. I don't know that that option is available for him as a DC somewhere this year, but you know, it, it is it, this is one of those times where you know you have to make some difficult decisions, possibly. And you also talk to Jim Knowles about what do you think you need? Like, what do you need? Tell me how to put this defense in your hands. Basically trying to, you know, what can we do for you? What would make this defense the best? And since you're giving him, who knows, upwards of $2 million probably a year, he's going to have a lot of say. So he may, you know, he may have some thoughts. I'm sure he will on who, what needs to happen. Does somebody need to go? Now, he's a guy who has coached linebackers throughout his career as well. And that's what Al Washington does now. So that's something to watch and you know, if Larry Johnson were to retire, there's a number of options they could go to. And anytime Ohio State loses a coach, the resumes come in like, you know, you wouldn't believe. If he has coached linebackers in the past, is it a fair assumption that he's evaluated and recruited them? Yeah, well... Because that's, 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 that, we need because... an upgrade in Columbus in evaluation <laughs> and recruitment of linebackers. Well, and the good thing is, Ohio State is bringing in a couple of the best linebackers in the nation and C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers and kind of added another one today when Sonny Styles, a five-star 2023 safety who is already 6'4", 215, who won't play safety likely in college, reclassified to 2022. So you got two five-star guys in the fold getting ready to sign next week. But, you know, the thing about Jim Knowles is his biggest jobs have been at Duke and Oklahoma State. So he's not really been able to get into the living rooms that he's going to get into now. So we don't know exactly how well he can recruit. The block O on a sweater or jacket will get you into every school and many houses. Once you get in there, then it's up to you, and, and we'll see. I know 
You watch videos of him uh, talking about his players and his players talking about him at Oklahoma State. He, he's an interesting guy. Players seem to love him. So uh, you would think he would be able to do some recruiting at Ohio State. I just saw one video clip on the guy, and he had a look in his eye and his hat on backwards that made me think, yep, I could play for that dude. <laughs> and, then, and then I look at statistics, and I see that Oklahoma State, which, let's be honest, has never been really the bastion of defense, ends up third in total defense in the country, 12th against the pass, 5th against the rush, and led the nation in sacks. I'm more than interested to see what getting into all the rest of the living rooms in the country will allow this guy to get in terms of who he's after and, and what it does for Ohio State's defense. I'm like you, Tony. I mean... Uh, it was undeniable that something needed to change. This will create a tremendous amount of buzz, but the buzz isn't what's important. What's important is what starts happening when they line up with Notre Dame next fall. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever you bring in a new defensive coordinator, the defense grows over the course of a year. It's not a finished product in September, and people need to keep that in mind. You get better and better. And I think even now I saw an interview with him where he said, even now in his fourth year, he got to about 85% of what he would have liked to have put into the Oklahoma State defense. So this is a guy who will continue to build and build. But, you know, he does. He's an aggressive guy, views like third downs different than everything else, and they practice third downs differently, and he likes to be aggressive there. They'll play different fronts. They're, you know, he's changing some stuff and trying to. And throwing some schemes and be a little bit deceptive, and that's something that Ohio State has struggled with in terms of their deception. So i, I got to imagine the players will be looking forward to it. When you look at all the tackles for loss, you said they led the nation in sacks. They also led it in tackles for loss. That's what players like to hear. They want to be aggressive. They want to get after the quarterback. They want to get to the backfield. And, you know, it seems like this is this would be right up their alley. Now you just got to go make the plays. Tony Gerdeman from BuckeyeScoop.com joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. And, Tony, on the recruiting front, uh, there was some news that uh, Sonny Styles, the defensive back recruit, is is jumping up a season. So he's going to be eligible for the 2022 recruiting class, correct? Yeah, he um, will probably be signing next week. Next week is the first signing day. I don't know that he'll be enrolling early, though, probably in terms of enrolling in January. Being that he's still kind of technically a junior, he's probably going to have to finish up some classes and graduate in June like a lot of other 2022 guys. So, yeah, um, still, like, he's, he's the son of former Buckeye Lorenzo Styles. His brother plays at Notre Dame as a, as a receiver. Uh, so this is a guy who has been on Ohio State's radar for a few years and from a local local guy from Pickerington. You know, he's a five-star number one safety in the 2023 class. We'll see what the, the people end up ranking him in the 2022 class. But, again, I don't know that he will end up as a safety because you don't see many 6'4 safeties rowing around. I know Notre Dame has one, mm-hmm. but that's one, and that's just one school. That's and it's just a rarity, and he's already, like I said, 215 pounds. He's not, you know, he's not like a Malik Hooker uh, that, that Ohio State fans would remember who has all kinds of range. He's just a really – freak athlete who uh, is also physical and you, know, you almost have to figure out what he grows into. But then that, that also plays into a little bit of what Jim Knowles does with his defense because he likes hybrid players and he likes players that can, as he calls them, he calls them adjusters who can do different things and pose different problems. And I don't expect necessarily Sonny Styles to be doing much for the Buckeyes next year. I think 2023 is where you, you, you'll see more of him, but you know, I, I guess 
probably shouldn't count him out, but he is still growing. He's, you know, just a high school junior, so you can't expect too much of him. And you know, I'm, I'm not going to chalk this up to you know, look what happened the last time Ohio State brought in a high school junior or high school senior <laughs> in, in 10 years. I know you guys probably want to get into that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a very different situation even though I'm sure there will be some NIL money here eventually for Sonny. Speaking of speaking of Quinn Ewers, have you have you tried the holy kombucha yet? You got you got in your hands on any of Quinn Ewers' famous drink there? No, and I, I think part of the problem was that uh, you know you got this Dallas Texas company paying him seven figures, six figures, or whatever, and then uh, you go to Columbus and it doesn't necessarily reach the. Uh, there's no target audience here for that per se because it's not necessarily a national thing. I know they're trying to get it into Ohio and things like that, but no, I have not tried it. I'm not really, uh, not really a tea or coffee person, so I don't believe so, so I would be a kombucha if, person. If, if Quinn, Quinn Ewers would like a bush light, would have been a more natural fit for for him and Columbus, Ohio. I, you know what? And, and unfortunately, the NIL does not allow that. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> And the NIL will one day. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of time. That's the way that works. Uh, have you had any insight into what the Buckeyes' schedule is like now as they, I'm assuming, deal with finals, prepare for, for bowl prep? How much time do they have off? When will things ramp back up? That kind of thing? Uh, yeah, practices. This is a really key time for a lot of the young guys, and then they'll ramp up for uh, game prep, getting closer to uh, you know, a couple weeks leading up to the game. But right now... Yeah, just practicing a little bit and uh, staying fresh and getting young guys reps and you know, just get back a little bit to the fundamentals. They like to go back to to ground zero, square one a little bit, and just make sure everybody's doing it right and not taking uh, the easy road and just make sure that the fundamentals are there and the, the mentality is right. And, you know, uh, that's, that's going to be a lot of it, I think, because people are asking, you know, are you guys even excited to be here? Like, the thing is, Utah can't wait for this game. So Ohio State better get ready. Tony, in, in I guess one final question about the preparation for the Rose Bowl, and these guys aren't going to tip their hands, but it, what's the likelihood that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sit out the Rose Bowl? You know, I know uh, Garrett Wilson said he's still deciding that, which should tell you that he's <laughs> he's probably not coming back for a senior year right. next year right. if, he, if he's already thinking about uh, sitting out the Rose Bowl. I would not be shocked if, if they both sit out. They're both first-rounders. I talked with an NFL scout a, couple, uh, a week or so ago, and he's like, yeah, neither of them need to play, nor should they. And I'm sure their agents will tell them that as well. But they're, they're going to have to, if, if I'm sure they want to play, and they're just going to have to talk, um, like convince everybody else that they should, uh, assuming they haven't been convinced that they haven't. So I think it's, is it likely that they don't play? I don't know if it's likely one way or the other right now. Just don't be surprised if they both sit out. Don't be surprised if they both play. And and also, don't be surprised if one plays and the other doesn't. Thank you. <laughs> What's you, probably, you may not have insight on this. I'm not asking you to report. I'm asking you just strictly to speculate. This is Sports Talk Radio. It's what we do. What's the likelihood that Ryan Day is weighing in on these guys saying, look, there's you guys, you should not play in this game? You know, I think what they do, they, they have conversations about it, and they will give them the same information. Like Ryan Day will say, you know, like, we have talked to NFL guys, they think you're first-rounders. I don't know if they tell them one way or the other. Like I, 
I don't know that he will share his opinion. I think you should play or I think you shouldn't. They leave that up to the player. Uh, I, I don't think he would say, I don't think you should play. Um, but they're going to give them all of the information that they have. They give it to the families, they give it to the players, and allow them to then make that decision. And the thing is, you know, if they both opt out, you've got a bunch of young guys that are going to use this opportunity to really get ready for the 2022 season because they've got some young receivers. They're talented there as well. And they get to play in the Rose Bowl. That's going to be a huge opportunity for them because they will get the ball because Ohio State's going to throw it. So I got one final question. It's got nothing to do with Ohio State football. When Ohio State basketball plays Duke, I'm good with a 9 o'clock tip. Didn't really like it, but I'm good with it. What do I do with a 9 o'clock tip against Towson? You are you, you are <laughs> preaching my language, man, because I, I, am, the, I am the same way. There's no, way, no reason this couldn't be a 7 o'clock game on ESPNU. Big Ten Network does 6.30 games. At 9 p.m. Towson, man... I, I am with you on this one. This is uh, uh, it's a little frustrating. Let me just say, and there aren't many people covering this game are all that happy that they're going to be out this late dealing with it for Towson. No, yes. Tony, the, the big one, the big one tonight on ESPNU women's college basketball at seven Iowa at Iowa State. I mean, that's got to take precedent over Towson or Ohio State, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't get bigger than so. We got bumped. That's what it is. Yeah. Buckeyes got bumped well, to nine o'clock. Well, and the thing is, that game is six p.m. local. It's like, wouldn't you right, guys rather? Right. You'd rather play at eight p.m. local. Thank you. And, and if I, we believe me, there've been this this conversation has happened between many of us <laughs> over the last day or two about why did this happen like it did. Because I, I don't mean to dis- like this is going to be a ratings grab. I mean, right, yeah, right. I don't I don't mean to discredit Towson. I just know that there were a lot of asses in seats and it was really exciting when they was Duke and you weren't going to get that kind of atmosphere for Towson, but nine o'clock? I mean, again, Towson's a good basketball team. I've studied up on them a little bit. They've got some good wins, but you gotta, you're not going to get anybody in the building at nine o'clock for a Towson game. Uh, I, I'm with you. It, it's, uh, it's a little surprising. They, they, they get controlled by TV too much, and it's like, um, this is this is ESPNU. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, that's oh. always my rebuttal. Like when Mac schools are play, like Mac schools are playing football games on Tuesday at eight o'clock on ESPNU. Like, nah, if, if it's going to be on the Deuce, maybe sure, fine. But you're going to play Ohio Miami on a Tuesday night at eight o'clock on ESPNU. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, that that doesn't doesn't help me at all. Although it beats the two games I had to watch on my computer on Big Ten Network Plus. This yeah. Year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's yeah, probably a fair point right there. Good one to end on, Tony. Stay plugged in down there. We'll be in touch soon, man. Sounds good, guys. Have Thanks. a good one. Tony Gerdeman, com, joining us on the America's Home Mortgage Hotline, takes us up to our next Don Jenkins Jeweler Timeout. When we come back, I don't know if you saw it today. It's not a sport that I spend a lot of time, no time playing, and a lot, a lot of time reading about or uh, studying or covering, really, but I am interested because apparently Tiger Woods is going to play a little golf in the near future, and we will chat about that and other things. And we also got our visit with Bob McGilligan, the radio voice of the Blue Jackets for our Blue Jackets Blast, which is coming up in the following segment, a little football 515 as well. You'll want to stick around and be a part of all of it here on Cooking the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. Final segment of hour number one, and I mentioned right before we went to break, if you have not seen the news yet, there's been a lot of discussion about Tiger Woods recently because he's finally been speaking about his plans. And let me just say this before we get into what the actual headline is. 
I don't know what I think of Tiger Woods, but when I hear a guy talk with that much honesty about the reality that he is in and how much his reality has changed and understanding where he is with the game that is his identity and he seems to be comfortable with where he is. I just, I got to say, as a human who struggled with some mental health things and some of that kind of stuff, it's nice to see Tiger Woods in a good place. And it will be interesting to see because he has announced now that he is going to play in next week's PNC Championship, a 36-hole event that is for tour major champion winners and a family member. I think this would qualify as, what was the term that Tiger used, Garrett? He... He thinks hit and giggle yeah, that, yes, event that is type his, things can yes. work for him for a while, though he can't really play tour golf. Well, I was gonna, like, I imagine he's got to play with like a cart, right? Yeah, well, it does, it's in the article that I read I earlier say, today that I, he is going to be allowed to use a cart. He is going to be. And I didn't know that that was the last competitive event that he played before his accident. His accident was in February. He and Charlie, his son Charlie's 12, and he gets to play it with his son. That's a big part of why he's doing it. Apparently, Charlie... Charlie can play too, which you yeah. you might be able to figure out. Tiger Woods kid, but they well, we've seen lesser evidence of other things. I mean, I don't remember Jack having any kids that went and tore it up. His one son's a good caddy, I guess. Well, it's, but once no, he's he's got a grandson that played football at Florida, Florida State. State yeah, yeah. But Tiger's Tiger's going to play with his son. They played it last year and came in seventh, and it starts December the eighteenth. So it, it's just interesting to see that he speaks publicly probably because he knew that this was coming, but mm-hmm. to get himself back engaged in some sort of an event on that short of notice after the announcement, my hope is that we'll see something that's reassuring about his own physical and mental abilities with the game itself, that he'll enjoy it. Um, what I don't want and what I'm fearful of is that you'll start to see people, because they feel like they have to, because they're on a television screen, start saying about what this means about when we might see him and is Augusta right. a real possibility. I don't want that. Just let the guy play the golf, enjoy what we get, because here's what I've learned as I've gotten older, and it's pretty well chronicled that I've gotten older. <laughs> Tiger's an icon. And we Absolutely. saw all of the best that there was of Tiger. We saw all of the worst that there was of Tiger. We learned more about Tiger than any of us wanted to know. But as it is with every iconic figure at the end of the run, let's just let it happen and hope that there's something we can find enjoyment in in watching him play golf because that's what I want. Dan Patrick used a term this morning that I thought I've never heard used. And, and it, well, I don't think it was about this specific um, topic, but but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in my back pocket of we don't have to jump to the end of the book every time on it like we can just sit back and appreciate what's going on in front of us and i think you're right in this this is one of those scenarios where just to see that guy who probably if you ask him probably could have or should have lost a leg nine months ago to be playing competitive golf and not even this isn't really competitive golf but it is they're keeping score and he's gonna he's gonna play the course is a fantastic is a fantastic spot to be in so take a step back and appreciate it for what it is rather than what does this mean for Augusta? We'll have more at six and 11 coming up tonight. Like, I, I don't, I don't especially care about that. I, I just want to see the guy play some golf and look like he's enjoying himself and that he's in a good spot. It's a better way to end the calendar year with a golf event than with the stupid challenges and the, this guy versus that guy and this celebrity playing with this partner. I'll take that and I want to see Tiger see him play and just play and enjoy it. That's what we're after. Time for our next Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We'll come back with our poll reset and Blue Jacket Blast. 93 on the fan.
And hour number two, right here on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan, Cookie and the Monster. I am John Cook. My partner is Garrett Seawright. And at the top of hour number two each day, it is time to reset our Twitter poll questions. Garrett, what do we have today? Got three questions up at 9-3 on the fan on Twitter. We're asking which head coaching job is better. Is it Ohio State or literally any NFL head coaching job? 60%. Say 74% actually. Just jumped up. I refreshed the page, I'll be honest with you. 74% say (laughs) Ohio State. We're also asking, would you rather be the best dunker or three-point shooter of all time? 78% say three-point shooter. And should Army, Navy, and Air Force receive automatic bull bids every year? 76% say no. No, they should not. Normally I have strong feelings about our Twitter poll questions and whether or not I think our listeners are smart or not smart, (laughs) right or wrong. I don't have such strong feelings about this one. I do believe the NFL coaching jobs are just better from a lot of perspectives, but it's okay to have scarlet and gray-colored glasses on when you answer that question. That's perfectly acceptable. The whole bowl question thing, it's like they're not going to stop adding bowl games, so why not throw those service academies in there and make some make sure, make some poor coach sweat the preparation for that <laughs> style of play? That'd be kind of fun. It would. It'd be kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see. It's uh, been a difficult little stretch of time here for the CBJ, and that's why I'm a little apprehensive about going to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. We're going to bring in Bob McGillick, but first, let's get our, we got a little production for Blue Jacket Blast, right? And to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline we go to bring in the radio voice of the Blue Jackets. Bob McGilligan joins us each week at this time. Bob, how's everything, all things considered? I don't know. I'm not apprehensive like you are, so I don't understand. <laughs> I just, when, they're, afraid of, man. When, just when, when they're playing well, I have an easier time crafting questions that are optimistic and energetic really? and enthusiastic. How do you think it feels to do play-by-play? <laughs> The job's always easier when you win. This is true. This is true. I don't. I a wise man once said that winning cures everything. It really doesn't. It just covers a lot of things, and that's a fair statement if ever there was one. But you have talked very openly and directly on these airwaves about the measuring stick for this team this year would would be how do they handle difficult stretches? Well, they are clearly in the midst of an extremely difficult stretch. Based on what you're seeing from the team, how do you evaluate the way that they're handling? Well, I, I look at it this way. If they were playing all their games at home, they'd be in a lot better shape. I can tell you that right now. Um, there's there's really there's such a disparity between home record and road record on this team right now. And in all fairness, some of it has to do, probably a lot of it has to do with the road teams that they've been playing. Look, the NHL's a funny league because you have almost the tale of two conferences. You have the Eastern Conference that is built on speed and skill, and you have the Western Conference, which many teams are still built with uh, a lot of toughness and muscle. And the Blue Jackets had to go through St. Louis and Nashville and Dallas. And, um, you know, those are, they play differently. And it didn't, those teams just take a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand and they pin him to the wall and they take him out of the game. They make sure he's a non-factor. Uh, you know, last night they lose in Toronto, but they were going up against a team that they can skate with. There's not a lot of hitting in those games. It's kind of a wide open game. And uh, the problem that they had last night was they just, they screwed up so much their own stuff and they gave Toronto such a big lead that they couldn't uh, catch all the way back up. They, they came up one short. So um, it is, it's, it's a young team. There's a lot of guys going through this for the first time. And, you know, when you said winning may not cure all, but it covers up a lot of stuff. That's where this team was when it was seven and three. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, 
things weren't perfect, but they were finding a way to get it done. And now all of a sudden, uh, the competition's a little bit better than they are, so you're starting to see the warts that exist. But it's about getting better and, and getting rid of those warts from your own game, and that, that's where they're at. That's the challenge that they're faced with right now, and they've got a home game tomorrow, and then it's back on the road for five over 11 days, so it doesn't get easier. Yeah, but Bob, you've mentioned on our air that you know at some point they're going to go through a rough patch, and it is it's how you handle and respond to it. it is the obviously you don't want to get down three goals like they did last night, but to, to fight back and try to claw to be somewhat in that game last night gives you some sort of optimism that they're handling it well, right? I mean, it depends. Yes and no. It really depends. I'll tell you the optimism I got out of the game last night. Um, you know, they did fight to come back. One could also wonder if the Toronto Maple Leafs let off the gas a little bit too, thinking that they had enough and they would, they'd be able to win the game. Um, what I take out of it, here are the encouraging things that I take out of it. Oliver Bjorkstrand hadn't scored in a long time. He had like one point in seven games or something mm-hmm. ridiculous. And this guy came into the game tied as the leading scorer on the Blue Jackets, and teams have just taken him out of the offense. And last night, uh, he had a great opportunity to hit a pretty much wide-open net, and Jack Campbell dove back to his left and gloved the puck that nine out of ten times goes in the net. So if you're Oliver Bjorkstrand and you haven't been scoring, you can do one of two things. You can either hang your head and feel bad for yourself, or you can just keep at it and figure it out. And that's what he did. He wound up the night with two goals. So that's a positive thing. They need him to get hot again. He's a streaky guy. Once he's going, he gets going pretty well. Maybe that's going to be the start of something. Um, Elvis Merzlikens gets pulled after two periods. That The fifth goal, the one that came seven seconds after the power play goal, you could break that down a million ways. Um, you know, Brad Larson said, well, Boone Jenner didn't stay with Austin Matthews, and if he did that, then that play wouldn't, would have never happened. But even though that's true, he's going in one-on-one with the goaltender. You're in the National Hockey League, and I know he's a superb shooter, but you've got to make that stop. That's just that's a fact to me. You've got to make that stop. So he's out after two periods. Daniil Tarasov comes in, and this guy's played seven periods in the National Hockey League, and I thought last night, might have been the best one that he's played. Um, they didn't uh, collapse in front of him as much as they had done in the two previous starts that he made because they had to be more wide open trying to score goals and get back in the game. So he was kind of left out on his own, and he performed really, really well. He didn't give up any goals. So I, I like that. Those are just some of the, the positive things. And, you know, Sean Corrali had a really good message after the game. Um, you know, he talked about the self-inflicted wounds that the Blue Jackets made, and he said, you know, when it's 5-1, to one, you think to yourself, well, who cares about the fifth one? But what we find out is that the fifth one does count because we ended up scoring four at the end of the night. That's what this team and that's what these youngsters have to get through their head. It's that, you know, you can't just get when it's four to one, you don't just say, oh, well, there's no way we can come back. In today's NHL, you can. So every one of them counts. And, and that hopefully was a good lesson. Blue Jackets radio play-by-play man Bob McGellick joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. And, Bob, the Jackets have been outshot in 10 straight games. Is that a is that an overstated stat? It can be. It just depends where the shots are coming from. I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of times you watch the game, and, you know, when you watch a lot of games, like I can sit there and I can see a shot, and I'll be like, oh, that shot's not going in. There's no way. Something, something incredible would have to happen for that shot to go in from that area because an NHL goaltender is not going to let that shot go in. And um, 
so when we always we always talk about keeping the shots to the outside, make them shoot it from the boards. Don't let them get right down in the circle or between the circles where they're standing there and they're kind of picking their spot. Now as a goalie, you have to react. If you can keep them to the outside, your goalie's going to stop them more times than not. So a lot of times, a team can run up shot totals by doing that. So it comes down to um, what's is it a shot or is it a quality scoring chance? There is a difference between the two, and. You know, not every shot's a good quality scoring chance. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be overblown. Sometimes it's dead on. You know, sometimes it's it's uh, 20 to 9, and you're like, oh, my God, the 20 shots, like 18 of them came from, you know, places that they could have been able to score. So it can be overblown, and some games it is, some days it isn't. I think in those 10 games, it's gone both ways, to be honest with you. Well, you talked about the strength of their schedule at home and how well they've played versus what they've been on the road, and that's, I guess, good news if you know they've got a home game tomorrow night against Anaheim, but they are going to enter a lengthy road trip after that and have to handle all that comes with that. Is there a difference in the atmosphere of the team and and how they're also young, relatively speaking, head coaches handling this compared to maybe how things would have been with his predecessor in the chair? Probably, to an extent. Um you know, not to where I'm going to say that if somebody else had been coaching, maybe they wouldn't have lost this game or that game. I, I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, case in point, just look at last night. Uh, Toronto gets a power play goal early in the first period. They get it only a couple of seconds into the power play, and, they, and the Blue Jackets challenged the goal. They, they made a quick decision that they thought there was goaltender interference, and I thought they had a case. I said on the air that, I, in my opinion, they had a case. I just don't know if they have enough evidence to win the case. And as it turned out, they didn't win it. And the problem is, in today's game, if you challenge and you lose, you're automatically shorthanded again. So that early in the game, maybe you should just, you know, kind of take your lump and let it go unless it's absolutely egregious. And you know for sure, 100% I'm winning this challenge. Maybe you just take that and you try to come back from the one to nothing deficit. Now, fortunately, they killed off the power play, but it could have gone two to nothing. And... It could have gone two to nothing because maybe you made a, a quick reaction because things have not been going well. You want to get that goal off the board. So, again, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's not fair. I didn't talk to Brad Larson about it. I'm just saying as an observer, I think there are times, and I think at all pro sports, there are times when things happen to you and instead of immediately trying to correct it or, um, you know, knee-jerk toward it, you, you just need to take a step back, take a breath, and realize, you know what, there's – still like um i don't know 51 minutes left in this game and we're only down by one so let's let's come back from that so again little instances but it's not like if there was a veteran coach with the same group that automatically they would win Mm -hmm. four games that they have lost i don't think that well they've got a home game tomorrow night and then they are headed uh, out west and up into canada before they come back through buffalo next time we talk to you you'll be in canada i hope it goes well the start to the road trip but we'll talk to you in a week Oh, yes. I can't wait to see what Seattle's like when we get to Western Canada and get home just before Christmas. That'll be awesome. So, uh, Good times. Everybody on my list is getting some Canadian item. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> some lots loose of, meat. Yes. Lots of maple syrup coming back to America. Yeah, All right, sir. Go. Thanks, Bob. Go. We'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. Bob Miguel, you're on the America First Home Mortgage Hotline. Time for a Dungeon Jeweler Timeout. We come back. We'll be ready for Football 515. Cookie and the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. 
and Service Master at your service welcomes you to football on 515. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners, they clean them. One of our poll questions up at 931TheFan on Twitter is, which head coaching job is better? Is it Ohio State or any head football coaching job in the NFL? 75% right now say the NF or say Ohio State, excuse me. I am not in agreement. Nor am I. I'm not in agreement. And I understand, like, believe me, I love Ohio State football. I, I, I feel the way about Ohio State football that a lot of people feel about their NFL team. I, I, I don't have that. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna spend hours upon hours arguing about topics with the Indianapolis Colts or, you know, I I just don't love them like I love Ohio State. And yet, I would become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in a second before I became the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Got half the work, same amount of pay. I get, like, people will say, you get to pick your players in college, you get to pick your players in the NFL too. It's a little more fair system, and there's only 32 of those jobs. You can be the head coach at Louisiana Monroe, and you don't. <laughs> Ohio State is justifiably so one of the few places in the country that, you know, in the NFL, there are 32 teams who can win a championship every year, and college footballers, maybe 15. And Ohio State's one of them, and yet, all the headaches that would come with it, I don't know that I'm about that. I think it's like anything else. You make a list and you create your comparison, and I think that there are a lot of points that can be made on either side of the ledger. If you kept it simple and said, money, where's the advantage? Probably in the NFL. NFL. If you said quality of life, I I don't know. It depends on what what you value for your family. That's a personal decision, but there is certainly more quote-unquote off-season than there is in, in college football in terms of not having the constant demand of 24-hour-a-day recruiting cycles. Right. I also know that the one thing that college gives any coach that the pro game can't give is that in college, you don't work for an owner and a GM. You work for an AD and you are the GM. And the AD can function as the owner. But I do know this, that in the NFL, at least I think I do, when you work for an owner and a GM... There's a certain level of keeping those people happy that isn't just a bottom line thing, although bottom line is is the driving force in the NFL. But even in the NFL, you've got those guys that obviously you don't want to be in this situation, but you can scapegoat those guys. You can say your GM is the problem, and they'll get you a new GM. You still got a job at the college ranks. You are the GM. You are the head coach. You are both. You can't say, well, my GM got me crappy players in the draft. In the NFL, <laughs> you don't want to be in this situation, but you can say, this moron got me crappy players. That's why I'm not any good. Here's the interesting part of the equation for me. College guys go to the NFL, and by and large, they don't succeed. Correct. College guys who go to the NFL and by and large don't succeed and come back to college, by and large, do succeed. 
By and large, the college game, if you are successful one place, you will be successful other places. Sorry, Rich Rod, that doesn't necessarily apply to you. I get that. And there are other examples of that as well. But for the most part, the highest end, and we're using Ohio State as the example, so there is no higher end, those guys in those jobs succeed in college and maybe they don't in the pros. So from that perspective, maybe Ohio State would be seen as a better job because you can feel much more confident that you can maintain success. A lot of really smart guys who are really good football coaches go to the NFL and it doesn't work. Right. In fact, there are very few who can say that it has worked. Jimmy Johnson is clearly one of those guys. Pete Carroll is clearly one of those guys. I was going to say, I'm staring at this list of um, highest paid NFL coaches and Pete Carroll's number two. And I'm thinking, well, that's a guy that, but he's been both. He's been a co- he was an NFL head coach, came to college, went back to the NFL. I, I just, I feel like, in the NFL, games are decided by who ha- like uh, nearly every game is decided by who has the best coach. And as a coach, that would be appealing because in college, it's decided by who has the most money behind their program, who has the money to put up great facilities and have new uniforms every week and have a nutrition center and 10 assistant coaches and then three former head coaches they're quality control guys and they've got four guys working on recruiting graphics and things like that where in the nfl it's all foot it's 100 percent football 100 percent of the time there is no recruiting there is no of the other there's no booster dinners and fundraising dinners and all of that junk that goes along with it it is football and i think that's the part that sticks in my mind as as the deciding factor why college guys want to get to the pros is because it's football right I've said this about basketball coaches. When you, The percentage of your day that is spent on basketball as a head college basketball coach is less than half and maybe less than 40% of your day is on basketball. When you go to the pro ranks, it is 75 to 80, maybe 85% right. of your day is on basketball, and that's what makes it appealing. But I do believe there is a certain level of, I don't know if job security is the right word, but a a extremely high confidence level that they can be successful in the college ranks and thereby attain some level of job security Mm -hmm. that is absolutely missing if they go to the NFL. It's absolutely not there for anybody that makes the move. That's true. I mean, Matt Rule is probably already starting to feel his seat get warm as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, where if he stayed at Baylor, he would be a uh, a god. Yeah, for, for certain. For certain. And again... He made the move for a reason, and I don't think he probably would say that he regrets it. Be interesting in a moment of honesty if such a thing exists with Urban Meyer to say if he regrets it. Um, that would be interesting on some level. I don't know what you might learn. But again, we are biased to the Ohio State scenario. Alabama fans would be that way with their school, and hell, probably Arkansas fans would be that way with their school. But to you and I to say, well, is an NFL job more attractive than Arkansas? We'd all say, well, hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Then we ask about Ohio State, right now. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. Right. It's Ohio oh, State. You couldn't possibly think it's it's Ohio State. But the well, concept I... is the concept. The, co- the college game. Right. Wherever it doesn't, you it, are, right. doesn't matter where you go in a country as a college coach. Those those pros and cons are probably still going to be in the same in the same areas. And so I guess when I tried to answer the question, I tried to remove it from the scenario of the Ohio State job. That that's the question that got asked. But college job. Because everybody thinks their college job is is the one that you... Why would you want to leave it for the pros? I just think, as hard as it may be for some people to accept, I think the NFL jobs are, are better jobs. And e- even if there's less job security, there's... 
Well, that, yeah, and that doesn't mean every job. Like for, I guess it does technically the way we asked it. But would I, if I had to choose between being the head coach of, I don't know, in the Dallas Cowboys, do I want to work for or with Jerry Jones? Hell no, hell no, I don't. But you're going to be pretty rich, and you're going to be this revered guy if you're successful, which is similar to the situation you were at at Ohio State. Are there people, are there better situations inside the NFL than others? Absolutely they are. But at the end of the day, there's only 32 of those jobs and only, I don't know, 10 of those dudes that people feel pretty confident that they know what they're doing. Yeah. That would be, I, I, I would be encouraged by the challenge of finding out whether, whether I could do that or not. I like when Football 515 has questions that might not actually have a correct answer. Although, and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know either. But I but I feel like there's that I, is an I know argument how that has, I would feel. I certainly I would agree. Now again, if you could guarantee me twelve wins a year and in the playoff four out of every five years, then I give me Ohio State because right. if I own Columbus, not a lot of people own a city. That's <laughs> so true. I, and I'll own a city, but that that's not one of the parameters either because as I've said before, this is a conversation that would be interesting to have if for some reason and hopefully it's after I die, Ohio State becomes Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, it, it could certainly everybody thinks that their school can't become that and then they do then they do i would love to not watch that i would not love to not see that on my watch another don jenkins jeweler timeout straight ahead of us here and uh got an in- another interesting question that we will get into uh related to the whole uh, dan patrick show question uh from today but what did you want to be when you grew up, that's you. We'll, we'll take your calls if you want to offer them. Who did you want to be? Who did you want to be? Sorry, I, when you grew up, who did you want to be? Taking phone calls. I'll be a firefighter. I, yeah. I know. I had some who's that I wanted to be. Who would you want to be when you grew up? We'll, we'll visit that on the other side of this Dungeon and Jeweler timeout. John Cook and Garrett Seawright, Cookie and the Monster. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio where Garrett and I are presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com. Work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Garrett, we have an interesting question for you and I to discuss, but also our listeners as well. 419-227-9393, 3776 that's 888-894-ESPN. So we, we want to know, who did you want to be when you grew up? Like what what sports star did you emulate? Like man, I want to be, I can be, I think I wanted to be. Insert sport, insert team, insert athlete here. Who did you want to be when you grew up? Because I have one. I, I wanted to be more than anything. I love me some Sammy Sosa. <laughs> All when right. I, when I was a kid. See now, interesting. Because we, you, talked, so, so. you talked about the question of would you rather be the greatest dunk or the greatest three-point shooter, and it's interesting because I can remember pretty early, pretty young, I don't know, 10, maybe 11, 10 probably, when you realize you're probably not going to be anything, but if I could have right, picked right, the dream right. guy, I thought, I love hoops, I'm not a great athlete, I really like shooting it. Reggie Miller kind of be my guy. I That'd love me some I, Reggie Miller. I, I, and I absolutely decided, well, he was at UCLA still. I was like, oh, yeah, right. my guy right there. And then I read an article on him and found out he was a history major. And that was kind of like at 12 years old, I knew I was going to go to school to be a, a, a history teacher and a basketball coach. But Reggie was the player. And then pretty quickly, like I'm going to say I might have been 13 years old when it was like hands down, I wanted to be Larry Brown, period. <laughs> 
I just the, wanted to be Larry Brown. And everything, I or? wanted to be the suits. I wanted to have the rolled up program. I wanted the the, the, the stylish looking glasses. I wanted to I wanted to be Larry Brown. That's what I wanted to be. And when Larry Brown left Kansas, because that was when I kind of really fell in love with Larry Brown. I watched his his early teams and and wanted to be Larry Brown. Then I then I wanted to be Roy Williams, <laughs> like really quickly thereafter. So I, I didn't stay in the, the sports world very long, but it is an interesting thought because I would guess even the casual sports fan had to have that guy yeah, or girl, you, you, everybody, that lady, somebody that they wanted to be. Everybody's got that. I want it, man. I looked up to, maybe that's the, I looked up to or I wanted to be whoever. Sammy Sosa was my guy. I, mean, I wanted to hit dingers. I wanted to do the hop after I after my ball after the ball left my bat. I wanted to do all that stuff. I wanted to play right field and wear number twenty one. And I mean, to this day, believe me, I'm able to separate the uh, the the uh, person or the the things that Sammy Sosa did. Um, probably undeniably a cheater. <laughs> probably undeniably. Probably, undeni- probably undeniably is so. a cheater. And even to this day, uh, Mark Kuntz, who uh, worked at TV44 for a long time, was setting up his Christmas tree and posting pictures yesterday on Twitter and uh, had posted some baseball Christmas ornaments that he has of players that these are the guys who will go on the bottom of the tree and at the back, the back <laughs> corner, and Sammy Sosa was one of them. And I almost tweeted at him, hey, if, you, if you're not going to use that that Christmas ornament any better than that, <laughs> you send him 57 Town Square. We, we, I, will ha- I will give Sammy Sosa Christmas ornament a, a good home. I I just I thought he was awesome. I was eight years old in the summer of '98 when he and Mark McGuire were chasing Rodney. Eight years old, shut up. <laughs> I was eight years old in the summer of '98, man, and it was the best, the best summer because we had the Farmer Five for a long time, and when we got cable, we had we had basic ass cable. <laughs> I mean, basic cable, and one of the stations we got was WGN. Of course. And so the games were played in the afternoon. So I get home for the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And by God, it's same associate time till 4.30. And I had to do homework or whatever. But I got to watch Sammy Sosa. He was my guy. And I, I, I wanted to be Sammy Sosa more than anything. So you, you bring up an interesting point, though, by, by making that admission. And it's this. We've got to be flirting with the line at whatever age you are, we've got to be flirting with the line that right behind you, people stopped wanting to be baseball players. Wouldn't, probably wouldn't you slightly say that's before, fair? Slightly before me. Probably. Slightly before you even? Because yeah. I was interested. I mean, not that not your age matters. It's just generationally we are seeing baseball, oh, baseball become... Does not, baseball doesn't matter to people in my generation. Doesn't, doesn't matter? Does doesn't register? I, I was a baseball fan growing up because I was a fan of all sports and I kind of took a lot of pride in the fact that I tried to know as much as I could about every all three of the major Mm -hmm. sports anyway, who was where and who was what and how, you know. And it happens naturally as you get older, you lose the ability to focus on those things and care about them and concentrate on them and spend time. But having said that, I I could still list all the NCAA basketball champions since 1978, probably. I think I could list them all. Every single title game winner since 1978. Not because... I've practiced it, but because it's just, I watch them and I can remember them and I do that. Right, you have that memory. I am a Reds fan and I put air quotes around Reds fan because I am. You root for the Reds. But it was the middle of June or maybe even early July before I could have confidently told you who their regular starting eight were this year because I didn't care. I didn't expect anything from them. I wasn't going to watch them. I wasn't into it. 
And I grew up as a kid. I didn't ever want to be a baseball player. But like, if you'd ask me at the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, who, Dave Concepcion was my hero. He was my but hero. I, if somebody it, had said just in passing, well, who do the Reds play tonight? You could have said the Pirates at 7-10. I probably would have known, right, certainly. Right. Yeah, there's no question and about now, it. now, every day, I'm like, all right, who... Who the Indians? Who the Guardians play today? Who do the Reds play today? Who do the Cubs play? Today? We're 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 off the topic here, but who's the baseball player right now playing the game that five kids between the ages of ten and fourteen would say, "I want to be that guy." Shohei Otani. Got to be the only Absol- one, right? Absolutely, Shohei Otani. I mean, is I, the, I think you're right. Is the guy? That's it. That's where the list starts and stops. Nobody's going. I, when I grow up, I want to be Shane Bieber. No, there, there is there, there is none of that. I mean, I watch the Little League World Series every year, and all those guys can tell you who their favorite player right. is. Javi Baez they, is a popular they, they guy. All, they all, you know, they can all do that. But that's that's their wheelhouse. I'm talking about a societal thing from the ages of 14 to 30, maybe 14 to 30, 32. I, I don't know who the people are that look at baseball and say that they can – identify with or that they, again, quote-unquote, idolize or look up oh. to a specific baseball player. Right. No, uh, was it two years ago that Matt Chapman was added to the home run derby at the last minute? And I said, who the hell is Matt Chapman? <laughs> I have no idea. And he's been like a five, five-time five all-star, undeniably the best player on the on the Oakland A's. And I'm like, I have no, I've never heard of this guy in my life. And he's playing the freaking home run derby. And as an eight-year-old, I'm like, man, I'm going to be Sammy Sosa. Even when you got like just a dribbler back to the pitcher, you're doing the hop out of the batter's box. Like, yeah, I got a hold of that one. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I, it's. <laughs> but but you're right in that it's it's gone. Just Shohei Otani is the one guy. But kids, kids these days, they want to be. And even I, I'm, I was appalled the last five six years of how many like Steph Curry jerseys I saw <laughs> in that area. Yeah. Like that kid, that dude matters to kids. Yes, he does. P- NFL players. There are a lot of, uh, and NFL is always a little different. That there are fans of damn near every team, wherever you go. But I would have never guessed that Steph Curry would be a, a gigantic guy for for kids in the area. Or you know, Who, I, who's I, who's the guy though in, in the sports world today? Give me one from each sport, maybe or or. Your top two or three guys that if we went down on the street for half an hour and we just asked kids that were walking by with their parents or as they went by in a car stop and said, who you want to be when you grow up? I think, a sports figure. Who, 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 what answer are we get? I, I don't know that we get more than two or three baseball ones, but I think they would say Shohei Otani. Basketball-wise. I mean, LeBron's still the guy, right? I, I think so. But at some point, like, LeBron gets uncool because he's so cool. Like he, LeBron James becomes unpopular because he's so popular. Like Damian Lillard would be a dude that kids today would be like, "Man, I love Dame. I love Dame." Yeah, probably. Like, okay. Steph is certainly on the Steph list. Steph is still up there, and I, I think f- football. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like. I'm afraid to say that Lamar Jackson is probably pretty popular with. I think it's, I think it's Lamar Bucks. Jackson and Pat Mahomes. I don't I, think Kyler there's anybody Mur- else. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray yeah. probably gaining. Those, right, those three guys. Probably gaining. The young quarterbacks who can run and throw. But and, you know what's interesting about that is probably if you went as far back as maybe four years, maybe less than that, but four certainly, I think OBJ would have been real near, high, near real the high. top of the yeah, list. Yeah, absolutely. And 
What a, what a yeah, what's happened? What a stint with the Browns can do to you. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're 100% right that OBJ would, like, four years ago, would have been your, on top of that list. See, I, and I just wanted to be Larry Brown. Just wanted to be Larry Brown. Now, again, talked early in the program. I mentioned that the guys we root for, we don't know. They may just be slime human beings. I'd say it's a better than average chance Larry Brown's not a good person. Right. <laughs> I don't know that. Generally. I'm just saying probably that's the case. But there is something cool about a guy that won a college title, won an NBA title, yeah. was a miserably bad international coach <laughs> with the Olympic team. But he was, by and large, perceived, perceived by a, I won't say a majority, but a large plurality of the coaching world as the best basketball coach in America mm-hmm. for a considerable length of time. And his bouncing and then, around from job to job didn't really diminish that. But it was solidified because he went and won a world title with no Hall of Famers in the Detroit Pistons, which is kind of cool. And I really oh, was Ben Wallace is in the Hall of Fame now, I think. Yeah. He? Okay, so that uh, did you, oh, doesn't uh, doesn't unmake my argument, but <laughs> it sort of does. <laughs> it, it sort of does. No, uh, did, I was. It was going to be my water cooler conversation a few weeks ago. Did you see where uh, Ben Wallace and Ron Artest like shook hands and took pictures with one another at a Pistons? Pacers game. A few I, weeks I ago. did. I did. After you mentioned it, I went and yeah. looked it up and did see that. Yes. Oof, oof. All right. There's. That's another topic of conversation we can have someday. <laughs> certainly is. Too many people won't remember that. Unfortunately. Too many people won't remember that. That's unfortunate. Time for another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back. We'll have poll results and our ever popular water cooler conversation right here on Lima Sports Radio 93 on the fan. We are back inside the Basement Doctor Studio one final time for this Wednesday, and it is now past 545, so we can get some poll results. We can. We've got, we had three questions up at 931thefan on Twitter that have all officially gone final. We asked you, which is a better head coaching job? Is it Ohio State or any NFL head coaching job? 74% say Ohio State. We also asked, would you rather be the best dunker or three-point shooter of all time? 79% say three-point shooter. And we asked, should Army, Navy, and Air Force receive automatic bowl bids every season? 71% say no. Hmm. Okay, I'll take it, I guess. But they should be first in line if there's not enough eligible teams. I think we can get on, all get on board with that, right? I would certainly hope so. Certainly hope so. What do you got for water cooler today? Uh, there's, a, there's a state senator in Oklahoma. <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> that would has, has introduced legislation to name a portion of State Route 325 in Oklahoma, which is in the western panhandle. If you are envision the state of Oklahoma, that small sliver, there is a desolate highway of nothing. And the <laughs> Oklahoma State Legislature would like to name a Cowboys fan, so probably didn't have a lot of love for Lincoln Riley to begin with. <laughs> but he said... While we are all free to pursue employment elsewhere, there is a level of professionalism that's expected to be adhered to. From all indications, professionalism was pretty much absent in how this departure was executed. And so, he would like to name the final three inches, and he said, I'll pay for the signage. We can name the of Route 25, leaving Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I don't even have any ability to top that. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's such a, like... 
God, Seriously, I love college football. Go to the water cooler and have that conversation. Gather up those details. Get to it's on ESPN.com, right? Yeah. Got to get there, find that article, and, and and go in and have a chat with your coworkers about what motivates somebody who's an elected official. Right. There's all sorts of stuff that you could be worried about. And they're like, to hell yeah. with sports gambling. Let's get to the last three inches of the highway named Andrew Lincoln Riley. All right. So my water cooler conversation is not some inane fact or some maybe even not interesting detail from the sports world. Um, I noticed today that it's been announced that Justin Fields is now healthy and will return as the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears this week against the Green Bay Packers. Fun. So, yeah, certainly a great time to come back off of a rib injury and, and try to lead your team into this. So the reason I brought it up as water cooler conversation is we're what week fourteen? I think so. Of the NFL, so there are there are you either got three or four games left <laughs> in your NFL season, and it's easy from thirty thousand feet to say what I'm about to say. Matt Nagy's getting fired. Correct. And everybody is sees there, it coming. Is there any merit to the idea that we've seen quite a bit of Justin Fields? He's not particularly healthy. And even though I'm going to be fired, the best thing for this franchise is to make sure that he finishes the year healthy. I th- I, I don't he know. He doesn't start. Period. I, I think I think that's one way to exude the confidence that you're not going to get fired. But at the same time somebody else could look at that this dumb don't even know he's about to get fired. <laughs> because that here's the real conversation that I would have with someone at my work if this topic came up is what's the possibility somebody way up the food chain says, "Hey, Matt, like he's done. Can, can you just let him sit and not play for a while cuz not, you know, not to be too obvious, but whoever's going to have your job, we'd like him to have a healthy Justin right. Fields when and they that's get the, here." And that's the that's the I mean by you got to fire the guy. If you're going to have that conversation, because he's going to know, well, why, why, why are they telling me that? Why are they telling me? Like, at, at that point, your your fate has been sealed. Now, I think a lot of people assume that his fate has already been sealed, but the, like, I, I, maybe maybe the Bears aren't aren't that smart. I, I, I certainly wouldn't want him back if I was a Bears fan or a Bears employee, but yeah, that you, you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you can't let... You're you're out of the playoff picture. That coach is getting fired. You're going to start all over again. Might as well say, "Hey, Justin, we got a pretty good idea of what you are and what you can be. We're going to go ahead and sit out the rest of the year." Now they are four and eight, and they have the Packers, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Giants left. I guess so. Do, do, does he say, "Hey, we, you know, we can get to we, we can, can get to we nine can get and eight. To, we like, can get to nine and eight, or we can get to eight and nine. Is I, that good enough?" You know, if I were the Bears, I would say, "Hey, we're not going to give you that opportunity to get to <laughs> nine and eight. We're going, we're going take nip this in the bud right now." That is a wrap for another edition of Cookie and the Monster here on Lima Sports Radio ninety three one The Fan. We hope that you'll join us again at four o'clock tomorrow to do it all again. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday evening. For Garrett Seawright, I am John Cook. We're cooking the monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.